those two aspects of leadership are about who you are as a person. And the other six are about what you do. And so that's when kind of the big, the big data points landed on me, which is three quarters of your effectiveness as a leader comes from who you are, not what you do. Hello, and welcome to this episode of People at Work. I'm Dustin, and I'll be your host today. So as always, People at Work is brought to you by Jostle. As a leader, building a truly connected organization is more difficult now than ever. People are all over the place. So we want to give leaders the tools they need to actually do that. Uh, if you want to learn more, you can head over to jostle.me. On the topic of leadership, on today's episode, I'm chatting with Tim Spiker, who is the founder of the Aperio and author of The Only Leader is Worth Following. And today we'll be talking about all things leadership, but more importantly, the difference between the who and what of leadership and how you can kind of implement long-term change. Tim, thank you for joining me. I'm looking forward to this. Absolutely, Dustin. Good to be with you and with your audience. Awesome. So let's let's dive right in and start with your background. I'd love to hear kind of your story, how you got to where you are and, and all of that. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll start with, I was waiting tables in uh, St. Louis, Missouri, which is basically in the center of the United States. And I had a fellow server who invited me to an open house for a marketing company. Okay. And I was going to be focusing on marketing in my graduate studies. I was also at a time of life when a free meal was really appealing. And so I was pretty sure there would be some free food there. So I said, yes. And when I got there, uh, important part of the story is I took the only seat that was available in the room for the present. I thought there'd be a little presentation at the beginning, but the only, the only seat available was in the middle of the room. So I sat there. And about three minutes in, I realized what an open house for a marketing company actually is. It was a recruiting meeting for an MLM company. And uh, I don't have anything against multi-level marketing, but I really wasn't interested in selling water purifiers to my family and friends. So I had a choice in that minute. Like, so what am I going to do? Am I going to kind of make a scene, kind of shimmy my, my way out of the room was pretty jam-packed and get out of there? Or was I going to stick it out you know, wait for the break and probably grab my sandwich on the, on the way out the door. <laughs> and I decided not to make a scene. And I'm really glad that I didn't because after a few minutes, they started talking about what does it mean to be an employee? Mm -hmm. And the whole room just became so incredibly negative. It was like, you know, weeping and gnashing of teeth. And it was just, it was just bad. And I didn't hear anything else in the presentation. The, the teacher became like Charlie Brown's teacher, if, any, if anybody's familiar with that. I just didn't hear anything else. And I just sat in the middle of that room thinking about how come, you know, if I'm, if I'm working for you, Dustin, and mm -hmm. somebody says, what's it like to work for Dustin? Couldn't the answer be, it's the most incredible experience of my life. Can't believe how much I'm growing. I can't believe how much we're accomplishing. I can't even believe how much it's even, you know, leaking out and having an impact on my family. Why, why wouldn't that be the answer to the question of what's yeah. it like to follow somebody? And yet it wasn't that night. So I decided that night at the break, I did grab some food and I got out of there. But I decided that night I was going to start interviewing as many people as I had access to about leadership. And that was 20 years ago and basically haven't stopped doing that since. And I've just become more and more passionate around leadership ever since that day. That's awesome. I love how there's kind of that one epiphany or light bulb moment that goes off in the most random places obviously totally, totally <laughs> random i mean think about think about what i'm doing now yeah. and what i dedicate my vocational life to and if you had said ahead of time hey you're gonna like tonight is going to 
chart the course of your entire professional career. I mean, it would just blow your mind to know that ahead of time. We never, we never do. But yeah, there was a moment that really shifted me. Well, yeah, I mean, luckily that happened and, that, and that's great in the work you're doing now. Um, so maybe do you want to explain to our listeners a bit what, what you're up to now and kind of what the Aperio stands for and what you guys do? Yeah, well, the Aperio is Latin for to reveal or lay bare. And what we spend most of our time doing these days is helping organizations and individuals take a look at some very important truths about leadership that not very many people are talking about. So we're trying to uncover those things and then help those organizations and people do something about that. Nice. So I, I read into it a little bit, your philosophy, which I found super interesting. Over my years, I've I've done more than a few leadership courses, so I've been exposed to a few different ones, both at large companies, small companies, and it's, it's always a little bit different, but kind of the same. Yeah. Um, and I did find the approach you're taking really interesting, especially kind of the difference between the how and the, the what of leadership. Yeah. So I, I could try to explain that and not do nearly as good of a job. So maybe <laughs> if you don't mind just giving that concept to our listeners. Yeah. Well, would, it, would it be okay if I start with the research? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great All place right. to start. Let, yeah. Let's do that. And I will... Um... Well, I was working for a leadership consultancy and we had people up to the west side of Pikes Peak in, in Colorado, again, mm -hmm. central US essentially. And we would give them a series of assessments and they started asking us, what's the magic mix between personality, natural ability and leadership performance? We had the data to look at that. So my colleague, Vanessa Kiley, she crunched the numbers. And I remember the night I was in her office and she said, I, I have the results. And I'm like, okay, lay it on me. And, and here's what she said. She said, absolutely nothing. Because there was no correlation. <laughs> there was no correlation between yeah. any aspect of personality, any aspect of natural ability, and any aspect of leadership performance. And so I was like, okay, well, at least we have an answer. We can tell our clients now when they ask for the magic mix, we can say there is none. And I turned to go out of her office and she said, but we did find something we weren't looking for. And I love that part of the story. Um, not to say that if you have a hypothesis and you test it and you prove it out that you're somehow lying, but I love that we weren't looking for the thing that we found. And so, you know, great thing about SPSS software is it'll look for correlations in places where you don't have a hypothesis. And that's exactly what happened in this case. So our leadership 360 had eight parts to it. So just think about a pizza. Mm -hmm. If you split a pizza up into eight equal pieces, any two pieces should be worth 25% of that pizza. And we found two aspects in our Leadership 360 that were responsible for just under 70% of the variability on the assessment. Uh, years later, Vanessa reran the data with 10 times the data point, and that number went up to 77%. And so what that means is two out of these eight aspects of leadership were three times as important in the leader's effectiveness as the other six pieces combined. And so mm -hmm. fast forwarding a number of years, uh, sometimes you get that data and you're real close to it. And you're like, this means something important, but I'm not sure what it means. And so it really wasn't until I left the, the consulting firm and I was sitting in my office one day looking at this leadership model of these eight aspects of leadership when the bell just went off in my head. When I looked at those two, I just realized finally, after all those years, that those two aspects of leadership are about who you are as a person. And the other six are about what you do. And so that's when kind of the big, the big data points landed on me. Three quarters of your effectiveness as a leader comes from who you are, 
not what you do. And I've been testing that research out in other places ever since then. I've seen other organizations, data, human synergistics and KRW and things that have been published at HBR. They, once you see this, you can't unsee it. And it's, I just kind of see it in other data. I see it in our client stories. I see it everywhere. And so we just, we call that the who, not what principle. And we help organizations figure out how to take advantage of the reality. Yeah, I think that concept makes a lot of sense. And I'd love to dive into those two pieces of the pie because I think a lot of people have this view of leaders as, oh, to be a good leader, you have to be super charismatic. And I don't think that's necessarily the case. And I think your research kind of proves that the who is maybe a little deeper than that. So, well, Absolutely. And I'm glad you brought that up because what you just said is absolutely true. In fact, there are studies that have been done about really outgoing charismatic leaders and they don't necessarily produce better results, even though we have a tendency to be drawn to them. We yeah. have a tendency to say, oh, that person's, that person's really uh, charming. Um, I bet they are going to get a better result. They don't necessarily. And to your point, the who is deeper than that. The who is significantly deeper in that. So the two aspects that, that kind of stood out and that were responsible for three quarters of that variability on the assessment were being inwardly sound and being others focused. And those are the two big ideas around when we talk about what does it mean to be a well-developed who with a little, you know, a little nod to Dr. Seuss there. So what does it mean to be a well-developed who? It means being inwardly sound and others focused and ultimately that through the issue of trust leads to engagement and better performance. Yeah. And I think that mix makes sense, right? Especially the others focused. It's, I don't know if it's that similar to servant leadership, but kind of the other thing you do, you do consider others along the way. I'd love if you can expand a little bit though on inwardly sound and how you define that. Well, think of inwardly sound as the the foundation of which others focused comes out. So as I share some of the ideas here, you can think about what does it mean to, let's think of a boat for a second. If you're going to go out on the ocean and you take a look at the hull of that boat, you want it to have integrity, you know, and all the connection points to be very mm-hmm. strong when it's out there on the ocean and you imagine it getting battered by, you know, waves and weather, you want it to be something that isn't easily compromised. We'll just take that same description and I'll apply it to a leader. I want to follow a leader that's got great integrity they're not going to be blown about easily by the, the, the weather and waves of challenge and unexpected good news and unexpected bad news. There's a steadiness to it. There's a stability to them. You can count on them. That's the essence of what an inwardly sound leader is. So when we, when we think about what are those characteristics, we talk about being secure as opposed to being insecure, for example. You know, Tasha Yurik has done research that says 10 to 15% of leaders are actually self-aware. Like, so self-aware is part of it. That's a rare quality. Principled, holistically healthy in their, in their lives and purposeful. And we think about that combination of those things plus being emotionally mature. That's what we talk with people around being inwardly sound. And, and like I said, that's really the foundation of which we can be others focused. Um, mm-hmm. Because ultimately, let's just take insecurity for a second. <laughs> I mean, this is such an insidious destroyer of leadership, of effective leadership. And when I have all kinds of questions about my own worth and do I deserve to be in this position? Am I, do I have a level of, of confidence and comfort in my own skin? If I don't have those things, then ultimately there's going to be that uns, unspoken effort that I'm going to put onto my team. Hey, you've got to, you got to answer those questions. 
you got to help validate me. You got to help me feel better about me. And sometimes it's really obvious. Sometimes it's, it's more subtle, but imagine if the real story, cause I'm insecure is about how do we take care of my insecurities? Then it's impossible for me to be focused on the people I'm leading. And it's impossible for us to be focused on the greater goals of the organization because we're twisting everything around to help satisfy me. So that's a little bit of an example about what can happen when you have a leader who's not in the South. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I actually had a guest relatively recently who wrote a book called The Imposter in Charge, which is kind of <laughs> similar, right? Like the yeah. imposter syndrome and how that totally derailed his career because yeah. he couldn't be that that inwardly focused and like that level leader that he really needed to be. Yeah. Um, so I, I think both of those make make a lot of sense intuitively. They're not easy things to change. Like it's not a, a course on how to change your tone and diction when you do a speech. It's it's yeah. a lot deeper than that. So I'd love to hear a bit about those steps on how you can improve in those areas. Oh, I, I so love that you recognize that and see that. And by the way, um, this is one of the things that makes the partnering process with our clients sometimes challenging because mm -hmm. we're working in the business space and it's always like, how fast can we make this happen? Um, if you can just give me the little red matrix pill, <laughs> that's what we want. Can you do that, Tim? And, I, and what I would say is, man, I, I wish that I had that pill, but I don't. Yeah. And so what we found is if we're going to work on the inner core of who we are around being more inwardly sound and others focused, we have found that it's critical to have three elements if you're going to work in that space, mm -hmm. depth, community, and time. The depth piece is... And this gets a little bit to the, you know, adjusting your tone and diction. I, I like that example. Um, uh, tips, tactics, tricks, <laughs> those kinds of things. They're, they're, I'm not anti-tactic, actually. But I'm anti-tactic when it's not backed up by a well-developed who. And so much of what goes on in the leadership development space is just about tactics. And it doesn't deal with the person behind the tactics. And ultimately, those don't work. So when we talk about depth, we're talking about picking up this rock that we might call actions or behaviors and looking underneath it so we can see um, motives and perspectives. We've, we've got to go deeper than just trying to do you know, uh, a technical behavior modification if the person behind it is not also being impacted and developed. So depth, we've got to look at motives and, and, and perspectives. I mentioned community, you know, if, if you and I are workout buddies and we're going to the gym at 6 a.m., it's five times a better chance that I'm going to show up for that workout. And so community, that part is really just an accountability to stay after these things because this is, uh, you know, what are our clients call for this crushing your teeth? <laughs> that this is, the, these things take, take time. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. And so we need to have community to help us follow through. We also need community because we get to learn from their experiences and they get to learn from ours. Mm -hmm. We get feedback on ours. We're able to give feedback. And so when you think about the community aspect, it's really important because this work is hard. And again, not a good selling point for our company. <laughs> hey, hey, uh, we're going to go deep. It's going to be hard. <laughs> and so we really need community. And then the last one, which is going to be, uh, you know, counter business culture as well, which is going to take time. Mm -hmm. um, I, have a, I have a colleague, John Otten. He says, you know, development happens over time, not overnight. And that's true in about 99% of the cases. There are some rare exceptions that usually involve tragedy and we're not in the business of creating tragedy. So we'll let those be off to the side. But 
the vast majority of the time, it does take time. We're talking about growing and developing in, in who we are as a person. We use, uh, we use a, big, a big, strong tree as our analogy, where the who of leadership that we're talking about is the roots, and the what of leadership that you see is everything that's above ground. We think about the biggest, most beautiful tree. I mean, you're in the Pacific Northwest. You know what awesome trees look like. You've got, <laughs> got some great stuff. That, well, when I look at that, that huge tree, how long did it take that thing to become big and strong? Mm-hmm. It sure didn't happen overnight. And so time is essential. Uh, sure, we want to do things as quickly as we can, where we can, but it's the day-to-day brushing of the teeth, the day-to-day work that really can grow and develop us and who we are, even when we're in our 40s and 50s and 60s, even if some people have a misperception that growth is impossible in those years, research actually shows that it is. And so, but it's, it's, a, it's tough work. So depth, community, and time. If you're going to profoundly and significantly deal with, with what is three quarters of leadership, that development path needs to have depth, community, and time. Yeah, I, my mind was going to a bit of an analogy between that and kind of investing, right? Like you're in it for the long run, like you would invest money, but it's more investing in yourself so that it's sustainable over time, right? Rather than get rich quick, quick, quick fix. Yeah, I, there, there's no day trading equivalent. To this, <laughs> but I, um, yeah, yeah, that's a great, that's a great example. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, the other thing I was thinking of as well is you, you did mention insecurity and how this is a deep change. So I wonder if some people initially hit a bit of a hurdle and maybe get a little defensive, like, oh, wait, wait, I have to change who I am. I don't just have to change what I do. Um, So is that something you see occasionally? And if so, how do you help people through that? Well, I think the number one thing that we do in terms of helping people through that barrier is just come back to the research. I mean, ultimately, um, this isn't like, I didn't go like have a burrito one afternoon and come up with this idea. (laughs) (laughs) And and I say that because I'm, I'm an engineer by training. I love numbers. I get accused of using Microsoft Excel when it's completely unnecessary. And that's, that's a, you know, that's an accurate, that's an accurate <laughs> accusation. And so I love coming back to what the research said. And again, it's not just, not the research from the organization that I was a part of. Others have come along and it points in that same direction as well. And so we come back to that. Now, every person's got a choice and they mm-hmm. can, I mean, people ignore facts all the time. And if somebody says, look, I just, I, I don't believe that, which frankly, that doesn't happen very often. I think other times it's just hard. It's just hard. <laughs> if you want to be a great leader, you want to be the best that you can be, it's tough. And ultimately what we try to do is encouraging them that it is a little bit every day. It is a consistent effort over time. The results will come over time. Kind of stick with it like you would anything that's tough. <laughs> I mean, go figure. Something really valuable is going to be difficult. That matches up with just about everything else we know in life. So we come back to the research mm-hmm. and we encourage them to kind of embrace the slog of it because it does presume, it does, uh, it does result in a, a greater performance at the end for the people you're with. Yeah, and I think the other thing too there is it's not really a routine change, but it, it does become a bit more of a lifestyle change and I would imagine becomes more ingrained when they go through that initial difficulty? Absolutely. I mean, our laboratory with our clients is not the offsite, it's the onsite. Our laboratory is what is happening on Wednesday afternoon at 11.22 a.m. That is the moment where we get to practice. And so 
for example, one of the things that we work on around others focused is the idea of being a more curious leader. And not just intellectually curious, but curious about people's ideas, curious about them, because that gets us better information that improves relationships. And so at 11.27 a.m., what we need to practice is using simple ideas. This one was taught to me by, by Dr. Mary Shippey, is just infusing the phrase, tell me more about that into, into who I am. And it's really interesting because mm-hmm. you can get momentum around this. Once you begin to see how information and relationships begin to shift, when tell me more about that is a genuine part of me, it can be, it can be self-generated. You see some really positive things and then you begin to feel inside yourself that you're becoming a more curious leader and it builds on itself. And so, yeah, we can get momentum that way, but it is a matter in some ways of first being disciplined to put one foot in front of the other. Yeah. And I I love that example as well. That's a nice kind of actionable one that I think people can, can immediately start doing. I'd love to go maybe on the flip side of that, if there is an example of one thing leaders should maybe stop doing as much that, that is a bit of a common practice. Stop doing. Well, (laughs) this is a rich field to pick from. (laughs) Um, Let me just say, if we can stop pretending that we as leaders haven't made any mistakes, Mm -hmm. there's a notion with many people that if if I look for my contribution to a problem and proactively put it out there, that I'm going to lose credibility. And if you, if you did lose credibility because you had to confess to a mistake every three hours at work, yeah. it, you wouldn't have a credibility problem. You would have a competence problem. And those are two different things. When we as leaders can go first, we can have the courage and humility to say, you know what? We didn't get that sale. I thought we were going to get that sale. And it fell through at the last minute. And I've been thinking about what we did over the last two months. And I see a place where I contributed to this. I think I could have made a better choice. I think I could have, uh, I could have been president. I could have been present at that second meeting, where I said, you know what, you guys, you guys, I, maybe I should have been present at that one. I didn't think that through, or I didn't do a good enough job getting you guys. You know, this is your, this is your first big sales. I'm making the scenario up, obviously, but this is your first big sales opportunity. I should have spent more time in the trenches with you, helping you guys get ready. I I can own that part and I'm sorry. And let's go get the next one. But I made that contribution. If we can get past the idea that we need to somehow present ourselves as perfect as leaders, it's going to really help us in the space of humility, for example. It's going to create connections between us and our followers. And most of the time when we do that, guess what the response is? Everybody else starts owning their contribution as well. And now we become a learning organization, which is what every organization, what every organization wants to be. Ultimately, is a fast-moving learning organization. So that's just a little example of how who you are. Am I humble enough to own my piece of the contribution? If I am, we have a better chance of being a learning organization. So we need to stop pretending like we're not contributing to the mistakes. And by the way, just let everybody in on something your followers already know that you aren't perfect. So you're not going to be, you're not going to be presenting a revelation to them. They already know it. So maybe that takes a little bit of the pressure off of you. You can step into that space a little more readily. Yeah. And I love that trickle down as well of it gives other people almost the freedom to admit their mistakes as well. 
Because yeah. if it goes the other way, you just get people covering up their mistakes or blaming others. And I could see how that gets toxic just yes, incredibly absolutely. fast. And, and, and toxic is a really important word because sometimes we want to look at our teams, our organizations, and we, and we look at those types of things. If you've got an organization that's full of blaming and full mm -hmm. of covering up ideas and you're leading in that organization, guess, guess who's most responsible for that culture? <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. Now, that doesn't mean that you're doing that every day, but are you applauding people when they take the courage and risk to own a mistake? We should be. We should be. Not, now, we're not applauding that that was an awesome mistake, but the willingness to own it so that we can improve. That's something to cheer. And only if you want a learning organization. Only if you want to get better all the time. If you're not worried about that, then don't applaud that. But we have to take responsibility for the cultures that we're developing. And this is a great example of one way that we can do that. Yeah, and I, I think we've, we've talked about a couple of examples, um, like some of the questions you could ask on the others focus side to, to be curious and, and get information and, and connect a little better. I'd love maybe an example or two of steps people can take on the inwardly sound side to, like to me, it's almost becoming self-aware when you're not already self-aware and, and that can be a tough first step, right? So I'd love any kind of thoughts on that one. Well, this is the one that I wanted to talk about, so I'm, I'm glad yeah. you brought it up. You know, we, we need to move the, the higher your level of influence, the less likely you're going to have an accurate picture of, of yourself. Yeah. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One is we have a tendency to start to read our own press clippings and believe the very best. And, and that's not always true. Also, the more influence and power we have, the harder it is for people to speak truth to that influence and power. And we just have to recognize, look, there's a power dynamic in every organization. And we have to understand and acknowledge that reality so that we can, you know, put ourselves in the shoes of others and make it as easy as possible for them to share the truth with us. So an example of how you can do that um, in the self-aware side is you could just pick a handful of people and say, hey, over the next 90 days, that, that tends to be the, the, the flow of, uh, that we use in our work. Over the next 90 days, mm -hmm. I'm going to sit down with five people. And I'm going to ask them three questions. I'm going to ask them, what am I doing around here that's creating a lot of value for other people? What am I doing around here that's destroying value uh, or making life more, you know, more difficult in that regard? And what have I said or done in the last six months that it ha that's had a big impact on you? And that could be good or bad. Mm -hmm. To get them those questions at least a week in advance. Not so they can type them up and send them back to you. But then, you know, normally I'd say go to lunch, but in COVID, we hop on the computer, right? In, in COVID life, and mm -hmm. we have a conversation about it. Now, you can't control somebody else's courage to tell you the truth about those things. But when you invite that over time, over the course of months and years, as you invite that type of feedback over time, so long as you don't shoot the messenger or yep. get the message, yep. if you do either of those things, you can expect all feedback to dry up. But if you can discipline yourself to not shoot the messenger and not be defensive, have an have a attitude of, of gratefulness for whatever you're told, because even if you disagree with it, you're learning about how the other person thinks. And that's mm -hmm. something to be thankful for. But if you take those three questions and say, hey, over the course of 90 days, I'm gonna have this conversation five times. And I'm gonna see what I can learn about myself. And, and oftentimes people don't, they don't learn like 180 degrees, something different than they thought. But many times they, they come to understand that some things that they're doing well are more important than they realized, mm -hmm. which is really important because I need to keep 
I need to keep doing those things. And of course, there's some other edges to the things that might not be so great that you would hear as well. So in the self-awareness category, we can make it really complicated and you can do a big anonymous survey and, and, and that's sometimes the appropriate way to do it. But another time it's just like, hey, here's three questions. Can we talk about it in a couple of weeks? I'd love your perspective. And then just have a, have a huge level of gratitude for whatever somebody might share with you. Yeah, and I think it all kind of starts with a bit of vulnerability from the leader, which is also Absolutely. a good thing to trickle down. <laughs> yeah, um, you're right. It's a, it's a tough one, but it's very important. Yeah, and I, I, I do completely agree as well that it does depend on the level of influence. I've seen a lot of times in, in multiple companies I've worked for where kind of inadvertently the senior leader will blurt out an idea or a thought and everyone just goes, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I agree. And they, they hop in and you lose all that insight that you could potentially gain. And I think that's a self-awareness thing. It's not the leader really doing that on purpose, but yeah, I do think there's a self-awareness that helps there. Yeah. Yeah. And in that case, somebody might say, we're interested in your thoughts, but you know, when you offer it 10 minutes into the meeting, that's going to be the end of the brainstorm. Totally. Yeah. So maybe be aware of your influence and, and hold that thought until later on or some simple things like that. But that to, to your point, self-aware, being aware of the impact that you're having on others. Yeah, absolutely. So Tim, I think we've given our leader or our, our listeners a, a few different things they can work on and think about. I'm sure some of them are going to be very interested in this topic. So if you don't mind sharing maybe where, where they can learn more about this and more about some of the research and what you do. Great. Thanks. Yeah, the easiest place to find us is, is a kind of a mimic off the title of the book. So it's uh, the, T-H-E, onlyleaders.com. If you go to the only leaders, uh, you'll find us. And uh, the, we have a discussion guide coming out to couple up with the book as well as some other books. Uh, excuse me, another, another short, uh, short piece that helps people analyze their organizations mm -hmm. for this type of thing. And finally, we want to offer your audience uh, a little bit of a, a little bit of a special thing. So Dustin, there's going to be a coupon code there that somebody can type in. You get to pick the word that they type in. What, what <laughs> word, what word do you want it to be? Oh, you're putting me on the spot here. I mean, uh, word. It could be <laughs> jostle if you want it to be. Let's go with that one. Let's keep right. it nice and simple for them and kind of plug our company name as well, which is, is a nice one, but yeah, let's go with that. J O S T L E. Yep. If you put that in the coupon code, we will see that. And what we do is for any of your audience that contacts us that way, we offer them a, a free hour of consultation to talk through anything related to the leadership development that they're trying to accomplish in their organization. And that's a, that's a, I mean, obviously people are like, well, what is it? That's business development. It is, but I will tell you this, we love what we do. I, mm -hmm. I can't believe that I get to wake up every day and do this. And to just have a one hour conversation where we help another organization move that, move that ball forward, that's a joy for us to do. So we would love for people to take us up on that. that that's awesome. I really appreciate that. And I'll definitely include it in the player description and everywhere so our listeners are, are aware of it. Great. So Tim, thank you for that. Thank you for the conversation. I definitely learned some things that I'm going to try and, and hopefully grow from. So thank you for your time. Absolutely. Thanks for the opportunity to be here. Thanks for listening to this episode of People at Work. If you enjoyed this episode, can you do me one quick favor and head on over to Apple Podcasts to leave us a five-star review? It helps others discover the podcast, and we love reading the reviews. If you haven't already subscribed, head on over to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. Thanks for listening. <laughs>